good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, whatever your time is, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, welcome to Simply Technical. Thanks for tuning in and stopping by. Uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, follow us on other platforms. We're on Spotify. Uh, should be on Apple Music pretty soon, or Apple Podcasts, I guess. Uh, working on that. Uh, make sure you follow us. We're trying to do weekly episodes, so uh, make sure you check out those other ones. Um, today, we're talking about blockchain and its uses, and a lot about cryptocurrency and kind of the future of it where it is now. And I'm your host, Evan, and Keaton is uh, we're co-hosts. And then we brought back our first initial guest of Chance. And yeah, good he, to be back. He knows a lot about this. Uh, I know something about it. He knows something about it. He knows something about a lot of things besides <laughs> sports. Uh, yeah, not super big into sports. <laughs> which those are a lot of our ep- other episodes, but we're glad to have him back. Um, so your background in this is you've you've done cryptocurrency, which is a form of blockchain, correct? Yeah. So background would be, I mean, I'm a software developer and. Uh, I have a software engineering master's and so I've studied blockchain a little bit uh, through that and then just uh, learning about it. I've invested in cryptocurrency. I've kind of played with it for quite a few years now. Um, I'm kind of wishing I would have bought a lot more like 2013 <laughs> time frame. <laughs> but uh, we all. Uh, anyway, so I've been I've been playing with it for quite a while uh, and like just learning about it and, and just, yeah. And so most of us know about Cryptocurrency, you know, Bitcoin, Litecoin. Uh, there's several others. Those are kind of the main ones that I've heard of. Right. Uh, and I'm, like I said, most of us have heard of that, but not a lot of us have heard about what blockchain actually is and how cryptocurrency is it. So what, Chance, in your words, what is blockchain? So blockchain was one of the big, uh, bigger uh, developments in computer science in, the rec- in recent history. Uh, what it allowed us to do was solve a very hard problem. And the very hard problem is getting four different people to agree on the same thing. So having four different people agree, and by four different people, they're stupid computers, but they still have a hard time agreeing. And so uh, being able to have a a shared, agreed-upon truth uh, that doesn't change. And so that's the biggest thing that that blockchain let us do. And the biggest implementation of that right now would be will be all the cryptocurrencies, right? And so just being able to distribute uh, and everybody get to the same answer and agree on the same answer. Okay, so for example, you said cryptocurrency. So in cryptocurrency, what are they agreeing on a price or the They're value? They're on how much you own. How much you own, okay. right? So everybody everybody agrees on how much you own. So it's, it's basically what the bank does for you. And so you say the bank has, you know, you say the bank is the, the truth. It's the authority on how much is in everybody's account. But you're still relying on a bank uh, to do that. And so what blockchain allows us to do is have a online or just a, a uh, universal digital kind of. form of mm-hmm. that, which most banks are digital now anyway, but have a digital form that everybody can agree upon about how much you own, right? And so it's all about just addition and subtraction. And then every so often we get more of them in the instance of Bitcoin, they'll release new uh, Bitcoin uh, for people that solve the transaction, solve that that imp- that. Uh, process and put the computing power behind the blockchain to make it work is that the the mining process that they talk about right so typically the mining process is the people computing that known value and so everybody has to agree upon what that value is so every so often bitcoin is different all the coins are different but every so often there is another block put on the chain and that block put on the chain has to have a basically it's a cryptographic stamp on that block saying it'll never change again and so you can always go from the start to the end of the blockchain and rebuild the whole thing from scratch and everything should be exactly how it should be, right? And so everybody agrees after we have calculated all the transactions and put a mark on that. So every 15 minutes or something, we stamp another block on the blockchain and that block contains all the, all the transactions for those 15 minutes with an agreed upon cryptographic hash that everybody can say, yep, it all matches. Right, and so if anything ever changes, then that it, it doesn't match and nobody will accept the change. Yeah. Okay, and so that price of that specific is driven by the market, I guess? Yeah, it's just It's, it's just, just like a, almost a stock of that value of that specific coin, I guess. Right, it's just like changing any currency to any other currency, whether it be 
you change U.S. dollars to gold or you change gold to, you know, euros or, or any currency exchange. Uh, so the market drives the drives the exchange, right? And so if people think it's worth more, then they're going to hoard it and the price goes up because supply goes down. People think it's worth less. They're going to try to sell it and get out of it before the price drops. And so the price will drop because they're trying to sell to get out. It's just like any, I mean, it works exactly like stocks in, this, in that sense. But in a sense of you actually have, I would argue you have more value in uh, cryptocurrency, owning a, owning cryptocurrency than you do in a, owning a stock. Why is that? So cryptocurrency isn't, a, and anything can go broke, right? So a business could go up and your stock's worth zero. Cryptocurrency could die out and be worth zero. However, the odds of a cryptocurrency going to zero very quickly is pretty low, but your stock dro- dropping significantly can happen a lot quicker, I would think. Um, but we're still pretty early in the market, and so Bitcoin's one of the leaders, but you're, you're still relying on other people to think that the thing you own is worth money. Yeah. So it's stocks, no matter what it is, it, you're relying on what you have, what you have a, a, a tie to, to be uh, worth money, right? Because yeah. the only way it's worth money is if you can sell it to somebody else. Yeah. So it's, it gives you no inherent value, but cryptocurrency, so stocks give you no inherent value. The yeah. only inherent value they have is if you can sell it to somebody else for more money than you paid or less money, right? You just have to sell it to somebody else to get value back out of it because your stock can't be readily traded on the market for other goods and services like a, a currency can. And so cryptocurrency you can be readily traded on the market for other goods. And so we're seeing more and more and more companies implement the ability to take cryptocurrency as a form of payment. And so because you can readily translate that into actual physical goods or digital goods, I would argue you're better off than owning a stock uh, just for the fact of it's readily, you can make transactions with it and don't have to go through some other form of, of currency yeah um so like owning a house you have to go through some other form of currency to buy to exchange that house for a new house right can't really barter a house right and so it's like hey i'll give you a house for five million chickens or something right like that just doesn't work (laughs) and so and i don't know i mean it could work but it's a lot of chickens to equal a house (laughs) and so usually have to go through some divisible means or stocks it's kind of the same way right you you own piece of this but you have to get rid of that and turn it into currency before you can actually use it to buy something or to, to exchange for other things okay. so in a sense cryptocurrency is a lot more liquid than a regular stock or um, sometimes other say, goods it depends so I would say no liquidity going to just other currencies no I would say no but for being able to barter with something it would be correct right 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 so it's way better something. way better than because most websites don't accept stocks, and so it's definitely better in that aspect of it. But the, as far as liquidity goes, uh, most stocks are way more liquid than cryptocurrencies are, just because of the trading. Because you can sell so almost cri- instantly. A lot more. There's a lot more money in stocks right now than in cryptocurrency, and so that generally means there's a lot more buyers and sellers. Uh, so the liquidity is way higher just trying to exchange it for U.S. dollars. But if you're actually trying to purchase real goods, yes, they're, it's way better. I mean, okay. you have way just more Just because outlets. you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to, okay, I own three stocks of Here, simply I buy, technical. I want to buy this computer. And I want to, yeah, yeah. So Like that doesn't work. You have to you, translate it to U.S. dollars. So the, the translation from a currency to a stock or the translation from a from a, uh, a country's currency to cryptocurrency I would argue the stocks are more liquid in that aspect, but in the aspect of you can spend it, you can't spend stocks. So you would have to have that middle of exchanging it for exchanging an actual for some, for some other currency. Okay. So how do you value cryptocurrencies? I mean, stocks can be valued. They can you can derive equations to value a company, but how do you value a cryptocurrency? Or is it purely market hype? It's well historically been market hype. However, it's the same equation, and I would argue a better equation to value a cryptocurrency. And so it's all based on, so I guess at a, at a point, your stock valuation is based off of earnings and uh, assets and different things like that. But at a point, it's also based off hype and also yeah. based off where the market's at. And so I would almost argue that cryptocurrencies, I mean, it's a lot of market hype right now, but over time, they'll be a lot more stable and it'll be more along the lines of a currency than a uh, actual market valuation. Yeah. So at some point in time, and it depends on where it goes, uh, I would argue that it's a, a much more reliable calculation on the cryptocurrency or any currency than a, a stock calculation to guess on how much we think it should be worth. Right. Because ultimately, a, the stock evaluation is a guess on how much it should be worth. 
cryptocurrency, we can actually actually get a number for how much it's currently worth. Um, and then, so the the investment right now is just assuming cryptocurrency is going to catch on, and assuming that once it catches on, there's a limited amount of them, so the the value has to go up if people want yeah. them, right? If everybody wants one Bitcoin, there's only 10, there's only X amount of this. Bitcoin, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so that that means it's going to be more valuable. Uh, but as far as stocks go, it's a guess, and you're trying to guess where it would go in the near future. Yeah, how the uh, company's going to do? It. Right. What about the skeptics that are all the government's going to get involved? The uh, terrorists use it to fund their organizations. Yeah, they use cash too. Like, yeah. I so a lot of the arguments against cryptocurrency are, I don't think, a good argument. So we always have the oh, terrorists use it or bad people use it. I mean, we have that argument everywhere, right? And so where where people don't like it, maybe more on the side of it's hard to grasp how you could trace it. And it's hard to grasp because a lot of a lot of things that are on, that only exist in the digital world, it's hard to grasp onto and actually get a real idea, a physical understanding. Because most people, until recently, most things were physical, yeah. and so we moved into a lot of stuff that's that's digital only. But a lot of stuff still has a physical tie to it. So, like when you look at your bank account and your phone, you can translate that into U.S. dollars, and you assume that I have nine hundred dollars in my bank account. Well, I translate that to a physical nine hundred dollars, right? Yeah. And so, I don't know. A lot of the a lot of the skeptics. I don't know if it's a matter of they don't fully understand the fully grasp what's going on. Um, but the the bad people use it. I mean, we're gonna have that argument for everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. bad people use cash just as much yeah. as probably more so than bad people use anything yeah. else, right? So the the drug industry. I mean, all that's in U.S. dollars. So we're gonna get rid of U.S. dollars. Um, so it's just a means of exchange that they can use. And I would argue that it's better for the terrorists or any bad people to use cryptocurrency because it's easier to trace. And so tracing cash is very hard and it's a, it's in the physical world. But tracing currency is very easy because it's in the digital world. And especially because the blockchain is 100% wide open, there is no hiding anything because everything's on the, everything's got to be on the block and everybody can see every block. And so there's no hiding a transaction what you're essentially hiding behind is your wallet number. And so that wallet number can probably ultimately be tracked to a physical human being, uh, especially with some of the new regulations we have about requirements for uh, a lot of the trading companies to give you. So U.S., you have to be a approved uh, approved trading company, right? Uh, so like Binance or Bitrix or whatever you want to call it, what, any of the trading companies that let you trade cryptocurrency, yeah. you now have to have a full... Full set of identification with them, so they have to know exactly who you are. So now that unknown that number that out. <laughs> translates exactly into who it is, right? Yeah. And so, based so with a warrant, they can give you a warrant from a court of law and say, "Hey, Bitrix, who's this number?" And they say, "Oh, hey, that's this person, right?" And they have your driver's license or some sort of identification to point it back to you. And so, I would argue it's a lot more traceable. Um, yeah. At some point, right? You, you, it's still hard. It's still hard to trace, but I would say easier to trace than cash. Because uh, cash is cash is very hard to trace. Yeah. Um, because you can, you can hide it, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it is physical, and so hopefully you can catch it when it comes across the border or wherever it's getting transferred. But it's a whole lot easier to hide a hundred dollar bill than it is to hide something that everybody can see. And so your your trick will be the bad people will have to figure out a way to not to have an anonymous identity uh, whenever they're trading it, and even even that anonymous identity a lot of times can be traced back to them. So yeah. Um, I would argue it's a better thing for them to use because it's easier to catch them. Uh, we just haven't caught on. A lot of people don't understand the fact that it's way easier to trace than cash. So for the part of bad people using it, I, I don't think that's a real argument. Um, government's not liking it. That's a whole other argument. <laughs> that's a whole other deal. Yeah. So governments don't like it for a whole different reason. If governments only cared about stopping criminals... Control. <laughs> yeah, if governments only care about stopping criminals, then they would be all for everybody using cryptocurrency or everybody using digital payment forms. And so that's not what ultimately what they care about. Uh, they ultimately care about a healthy economy. So most people can kind of overlook the fact that you have high crime rates uh, just for a healthy economy. And so the fact that they have a job and they have food is important. And so the government cares way more about providing that job with food and a stable currency than they care about stopping criminals. 
And so their problem with it is the fact that they don't control it. Yeah. So it's outside of their control, and so they can't arbitrarily control the economy, which is means they don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That... I got it in hand. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> right. So, because with dollars, I mean, right, they they run out. They just print more. Right. They they have a lot of control on the supply and demand yeah. of dollars. The However, rate. they have right. They have control of the interest rates. However, with I mean, interest rates are a little different. Uh, but however, just controlling the supply of currency, they have zero control on cryptocurrency unless it's a state-sponsored crypto, which I don't ever see catching on. So, from a side of them being able to trace down bad people, it's amazing. From the side of control they won't like it and they don't like it they prove it they don't like it so it's a libertarian's dream pretty much <laughs> right it it makes the the government a whole lot less it takes a lot of power away from the government when you when you take away the power to manage the currency and so that's what a lot of the european countries are seeing problems because they're on the euro and everybody's on the euro so like people doing stupid things in some other country you know name a country over there Italy or somebody, you know, somebody's economy tanks. France has, a, you know, economy goes down. Well, now Germany's economy that's gotta, freaking good. Got to bail them out. <laughs> has got to help out, right? And so, you know, well, so that, that that's a state-sponsored thing that each individual government has no control of. Yeah. But globally, there is a, a organizing party that has somewhat of a control. And so it's still somewhat government-controlled, but the individual governments have almost no control of it because they have to get buy-off from all the other members. And so it's about a halfway there thing of... They have no control of the economy, but they're still a somewhat of a control. And so I'm going to say, I would argue that it's like halfway going to the cryptocurrency side of there will not be an officiating body over the currency. And so it's even less in their control. But like like I say, even Germany and some of the countries that have a really strong economy over there are paying the price for being in the European Union uh, just due to the fact of yeah. other countries controlling the currency and where it goes because of their economies. Yeah. I mean, that's the big argument behind Brexit, isn't it? Right, right. Or they're getting tired of this yeah. garbage they're putting up with. Yeah, had to bail out Greece and didn't didn't Greece eventually leave? No, right? no, Greece oh, okay. is still in. They, okay. they, no, if they if they left, they'd be screwed. Yeah, they <laughs> they got bailed out. <laughs> right, they need money. Okay, so that's kind of like where it is now. Um, so there's how many currencies do you think there are? Hundreds. Hundreds? Hundreds. Do you see that continuing to add more? Yes, and we'll continue to add more until we get to a point where it's a somewhat stable market. And so it's almost like the dot-com bubble of we have a royal crap ton of companies that are starting. It's the same thing, a royal crap ton of blockchains that are starting because anybody can go make one. It's just a matter of marketing it and selling it to people and, and assigning value to it. Right, and so at some point in time, we're going to have a big crash like the dot-com Excuse me. Like the dot-com bubble happened, right? We're going to crash. A lot of these cryptocurrencies are going away, but there will be 10, 15, 20 that stand out that stay around. And so there will also be in you know varying levels of success, right? So like we have Amazon and Facebook, which are huge successes from the dot-com boom. And even Facebook's pretty late. Amazon was around during the dot-com bubble. So we have companies like that that were around at the time of the bubble happening, of everybody jumping on board and making it, you know, trying to get their piece of the pie. Uh, but we also have companies that just kind of are around, but they're not like, I mean, they're on Amazon level. So we're going to have varying levels of success. And at some point in time, it will get pared down quite a bit. But right now, there's so much money flowing into it and everything's so new that we're, we're still just pouring money into it. And eventually, it's going to crash hard, way harder than it did recently. The 20000 to four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 Bitcoin is not even close to what's going to happen whenever the bubble actually bursts and we come out with some actual successful blockchains. So you think it's good that they're adding more, or do you think that's bad? I'm always for more. It's all, I'm always for competition. It's just uh, a necessary I would never, evil. <laughs> right. I would never argue the side of going against competition because at some point in time, there's going to be a clear winner, and we'll all know what the clear winner is. But right now, people are trying to guess what the clear winner is and hold on to it for the next five to eight years while it matures, and hopefully they ended up with the right one. So as they add more currencies... That almost adds to the validity, you would say, because more people are getting into it, more, more users. I don't know about would... adding validity. A lot of the new currencies are copycats, but there are new ideas coming into the market of different things we can do with it. And so the different implementations, I think, are great because we'll eventually get to an implementation we like and something that actually is actually usable. Uh, right now, one of the big issues is scaling. And so trying to scale the transactions that you can do with the currency Right, cash is infinitely scale scalable. Right, up until the fact that you have to have you know some dollars to do the exchange, but it's almost infinitely scalable because you can have 
330 million people in the U.S., each one of them can make a cash transaction at the same exact time and not blow up the system. That's not the case with anything digital. <laughs> so anything digital, we hit limitations of how many transactions we can do at the same time or how many transactions per second, per minute, whatever you want to say. It's, it's it, whatever time slice you want to do. We have a limitation to how fast the computers can process information. And so we have uh, physical limitations of how fast, or I say physical, we have hard limits of how fast things can get processed. And we saw that really show up whenever the uh, huge Bitcoin bubble went up to 20 grand, right? It was really hard and your transactions took quite a while to actually commit to the block. Uh, to get it to get into a block and so and your fees were super outrageous so the miners at that point in time because of all the transactions we we're getting paid pretty good and so the fees were exorbitant and so uh anyway so there's a there's a limitation to how many transactions per second and so part of the issue is like bitcoin is it doesn't scale as well as it needs to but it scaled well enough to get us to this point and so we're at this point right now where we're getting a lot more companies involved in like ethereum and some of the other blockchains like Ripple, uh, they're all infinitely more scalable than Bitcoin is, which is why their transaction fees are much less. So Bitcoin's transaction fees are, are still pretty high compared to most blockchains because it doesn't scale as well, right? So uh, ultimately, we're, we're trying out a bunch of new scaling ideas, which will be very good for actual implementation because whenever we actually get a big enough following to use this thing worldwide, we're going to need a pretty big system that can handle quite a few transactions. I mean, if you look at the US dollar alone, we're talking, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of transactions a day. Probably millions. So, and that's just U.S. dollars. I mean, that's not taking into account Chinese yens or, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, European uh, euros or whatever. Euros, right? pounds, yeah. Any, any of the other currencies, that's not taking into account them. So, right? so once we get to a, a state where we're actually processing a substantial amount of transactions, scaling is going to be a huge problem. Okay. So that's that's one of the big problems that we're still solving. Um, but along that those lines is just uh, different things to use for different coins to use for different things, right? So we may end up with like Bitcoin being somewhat, and it's it's kind of been alluded to this, but uh, Bitcoin being similar to how gold works. So there's we understand that gold is hard to transact with because it's hard, you know, hard to chunk it off. It's hard to to uh, scale that transaction, and so it may be more of a value store. And then we use something like Ripple or some other blockchain for actual day-to-day transactions. And so we'll kind of see how it plays out. But I, it wouldn't be—it wouldn't surprise me if we have multiple different levels of of block of cryptocurrencies, like an everyday transaction currency, and then a currency that like we use for huge transactions, like large for ones. large transactions, right? Or country-to-country transactions, like Western Union-style stuff. Uh, and then have currencies that are made just to hold value and be pretty stable. It's like a hedge against a recession, pretty much. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I would expect that we're going to end up with five or ten currencies uh, that will be used at some point in time. Okay. And you said something about they have. There's a hard limit right now, and that hard limit is due to the machinery that is running cryptocurrency it's due to how hard the cryptographic hashes are right and so in order to be secure we have to have secure cryptographic hashes and those calculations are hard calculations for computers to do and so scaling the amount of scaling the amount of transactions that can be chunked through per cryptographic hash is important so doing more transactions per cryptographic stamp we put on each block is one way to scale it but also allowing multiple different forks in the blockchain and then bring them together at some point in time is another way to scale it right so it's it's the it's the it's how hard the computation is plus we have to calculate it on multiple different systems to prove that everybody agrees on the same transaction in the same block and so that tra- that multiple different systems have to agree plus how hard the computation is makes it makes block makes like bitcoin very hard to scale um, other Cryptocurrencies have a different different approach to it and just different implementations of that uh, to make it simpler and easier to do that that signing. But ultimately, the signing takes a, a lot of horsepower. Okay. So now you wouldn't... To make that transaction easier, it's not like you need more miners. That's more of a hard coding kind of thing for... Well, so more miners are important, but not necessarily in the scaling part of things. So some currencies... 
they do scale to the number of miners. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is not that currency. Bitcoin does not scale to the number of miners. The difficulty changes as according to the number of miners. So the more miners you have, the harder the trans hard, the harder it is to calculate the transaction, the the cryptographic hash on the transactions. But it doesn't scale as in you can do more transactions. That's almost counterintuitive. I feel like it's just Bitcoin. it's just the super early implementation of how all this worked, right? So at this point in time, 10, 15 years later, after they originally thought it up, we're like. Come on, he's stupid. Why'd you do that? But I mean, at the time, it was it, it was insane that they could do this. And well, do hindsight's it always twenty twenty. Exactly. Um, so, so. Uh, from a standpoint of Bitcoin, did something stupid? I don't think Bitcoin did something stupid. I think Bitcoin, the owner or the creator of Bitcoin, did something very smart. We're just now coming up with with better better, better implementations mm-hmm. of it, right? And so over time, we'll just keep getting better and better about our implementations and, and how we can scale this and keep it secure. Well, that's a reason why a lot of the secondary third iterations of uh, a company or product that makes it, they right. They, the you don't third have a person's right always now, the, do you? yeah. <laughs> you exactly. have an iPhone, right? And so early on, Palm, BlackBerry, right? Some of the smartphones that came out early on, you don't have any of those. You have the iPhone or an Android phone, and so the because they were the second, times, third. A iterations. lot of times, it's the second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth iteration of the product that actually catches on and and is useful, right? Because the the original implementation just didn't have something that ended up being important, right? Like Palm and, and BlackBerry thought, you know, a physical keyboard is super important. Well, we just finally took bit the bullet and decided a physical keyboard is not important. We can type on a soft keyboard, right? We wanted more, more screen real estate instead of the keyboard uh, because typically we want the bigger screen to see more things. Uh, and then the keyboard is kind of a, oh, we'll just deal with it, right? So just things like that that, that really come down to we, we don't know what we will care about, but at some point in time we'll, we'll start making decisions on what we care about. So that's... So where do you see Bitcoin going then? Do you see it falling off because it's one of the first iterations? Uh, I think Bitcoin will be around. And like I say, it may be more of a value store than anything here in the near future uh, because it won't be used for day-to-day transactions. It's just the fees are too high and the amount of horsepower it takes to do the computation is too high. So I don't see it being the go-to for day-to-day transactions, but it could be similar to how we view gold right now in the physical world. Of it's a It's a store of value not necessarily something you use for transactions all the time it's like your hundred dollar bill versus your one dollar bill is that's kind of the way i'm understanding it somewhat but uh gold versus your your hundred dollar bill okay i would say or i guess silver versus your twenty dollar bill basically right because an ounce of silver is almost twenty dollars so silver versus your twenty dollar bill can you go you know how hard is it for you to take your silver one ounce piece of silver to, to walmart or to sonic and buy a buy a meal with it right and so it's pretty difficult, and they won't take it. But your twenty dollar and, and, and your yeah. transaction fees on on that piece of silver are pretty high. So if you want to change it to to U.S. dollars or to some other something else, usually it costs you a decent amount of money to do that. And so the transaction fee is pretty high. Uh, so that's but you can hold you can hold on a lot of it and know that it's not going to change in value very much over time. Okay, so we were talking about miners a little bit earlier. You mined for. How long did you mine a year? <laughs> so I've mined on and off for quite a while. I actually got into Bitcoin about 2013 and started mining Bitcoin in 2013. And uh, <laughs> didn't do it hard enough, I guess. Uh, my parents said it was a waste of money and time. Don't oh. worry, don't deal with it. And so oh. I kind of took my parents' advice and didn't do anything with it. Oh. I kind of wish I'd spent 20 bucks on it in 2013. That $20 would be worth a pile of money. So at some point, you know, it's just. Let's get them called up right now on live. <laughs> so I've mined it on and off for a while and different currencies. So that was Bitcoin back then. And uh, mining has always been approximately as profitable as electricity cost. So electricity cost is a big factor in mining. So hardware plus electricity cost is your biggest factors. And so that electricity cost usually chews, you, chews up all your, mine, all your uh, fees that you get for mining. And so that there is ultimately, and some people point to this, there is ultimately a minimum value on that currency because it takes a certain amount of kilowatt hours to validate a chain, validate a block on the chain. So at some point in time, there is a minimum cost to doing that validation. Um, just to power your machine, just and to power your, the and machine, and to pay for your hardware, right, and the yeah. hardware. So there, there is a minimum value valuation on those, on that, but that's and like it just and it scales, right? So. That's one thing Bitcoin did is is they knew they're going to get whoever invented it knew they were going to get a lot of miners and so a lot of the currencies work this way of over time as you get more miners the the difficulty of the the calculation gets higher 
And so that basically equals out and levels a playing field uh, because otherwise you just you couldn't keep the currency going uh, if the if you just if uh, your more and more horsepower didn't make it harder. So for a mining rig, what kind of things does the machine go through? Is it what what is the machine the actual data miner doing? So it's it's doing a cryptographic hash, and so without going too much into cryptography, it's getting a it's a one way computation. So we currently think that, uh, like for instance, SHA two fifty six is a one way hash, and so you can go one way but not the other. So if you take, you know, the number five and run it to the hash, you always get the number one. But from the number one, you can't go back and get the number five. Does that make sense? Yes. Or if you had five, three, and four, you run all three of those in sequence. It's different than five, three, four, four, three, five. Right. The different orders will give you different output, and you can't determine the order based on the output. But you can get back to the same output with the same order and the same input. Okay. And so, uh, mathematically, it's meant to be a one-way calculation of I can get to the end, but not back to the beginning. And so that's where a lot of that's where a lot of the horsepower goes. We have to, is that the hard calculation? Uh, because and we're currently just assuming it's a one-way calculation. We most of the hashing methods that we use today are assumed to be one way, but nobody's proven it. There's no been ma- there's no mathematical proofs proving it's only one way. We're just assuming it's one way. Uh, so the modulo, the modulus operator, is a, is used a lot in these one-way calculations for the remainders. Okay. So we think the remainders that modulo operator makes a one-way because if you take five mod two, that gets you one, right? Five mod three gets you two. So it's the remainder after after an even division. So five divided by two is two with remainder one. And so we think if you take the number one, you can't get back to the number five, even if you know the mod was, you, you'd have to know the modulus, the, what, what number that was done with the modulus, right? But you still can't get to five. So even if you know it's one with a modulus of two, like the calculation would have done mod two, you still only, you get to a bunch of numbers, right? It could be three, because three mod two is one, five mod two is one, seven mod two is one. So you, it just means it's an even number if you have two with a, with a one is your end of your calculation. And so how many odd numbers are in the universe, right? And so getting back to the original value is usually a non-trivial, and then we usually stack a prime number on top of it. So we usually take a very, 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 very large prime number and use that in calculation to make it even harder because large prime numbers are not easy to calculate. And so if we just take an arbitrary large prime number, five is somewhat simple because we can keep trying it, but a number that's got 150 digits behind it, that's a prime number. So it's only, so the mod is gonna be specific to that or multiples of that, right? So if you take 100, then the mod will be the same for 100, 200, 400, right? Depending on what your mod was, right? And so it's going to be multiple multiplications of that prime number. So you're only going to the minimum you could get was that prime number, but it could also be any multiple of that prime number. And so it makes it very hard to get back. We think. Okay. At some point in time, we may find out otherwise. There may be some mathematical genius that proves otherwise. But current understanding is it's very hard to take the mod and get back to the original value. I'm not going to lie. Re-explain that. (laughs) Okay. Now say I'm seven years old. Can you explain that? That actually was a really good explanation. I kind of, I think. I'm I glad did. I didn't understand. <laughs> um, right. So, so the idea is, I have an input and I get to a known output. So when you have your output, you you don't know what your but input I can't is. Go, I you can't, can't go, go to, back. Right. But you can have an idea. Right. So you, the, you know it can be these options, but if it's a large number, then your options are almost infinite. Right. So the idea with blockchain is that I can take all of the transactions and keep computing the numbers and get to the final number every time. And so it's the same final number every time. The final number doesn't change, but if you only had the final number, you can't get any of the transactions out of the final number. And so that that's less important for cryptocurrency because all the inputs are known. And so it's just us confirming that the, that the number matches. It's more important for other, cryptographic, other cryptography uses, such as encryption. Um, so we're using the fact that it's one-way calculation and can get us down so you can have like 5,000 numbers going into this and get one number out. Well, that one number, the 500 numbers or 5,000 numbers you put in always equal the one number, and the one number is a super easy way for us to sign off and only get the same one number. Okay. Um, I like the... I, I never understood that until you said the the 5 divided by 2 
remainder one is the same thing. Seven divided by two, remainder one. Like that, that makes it make sense. Right. So it, it's it's a guessing game at that point of yeah, what was the input. Yeah, you could never. Yeah, you can never get back. Right. So, like I said, that's more important on the encryption side of things and less important for the crypt, the cryptocurrency side of things. Yeah. yeah. Because your input's open. Typically, for when you're running crypt things, your your input is hidden, and you want to try to get the input. And so that makes it super important for encryption. Uh, but like I say, for the fact of or just signing. Um, but for the fact of cryptocurrency, we more care about the fact that we get to the same number every time. So on a mining rig, what is important? Obviously, you need a computer right. um, and you need a GPU, CPU. What, out, of, out of the components of a computer, what's the important part? So currently, a lot of mining is done with a GPU, a graphics processing unit, uh, but it doesn't have to be. So with different algorithms, there's different ways to get that final number. And so depending on the different algorithm, it may make it easier to solve with other hardware or harder to solve with other hardware. And so typically GPUs have been pretty efficient at solving the, and by efficient, I mean not at all efficient, but they work. We can do it because it's an arbitrary processing unit. So we can send any instruction into it and get the output. Um, we have what's called an ASIC, and which has become big, especially for the Bitcoin algorithm. The Bitcoin algorithm is, is uh, one of the simpler ones and we got ASICs quite a while ago for that and so it's a hard coded they made a piece of silicone that only does the bitcoin calculation so you feed the inputs into it and only gets you the bitcoin calculation so you couldn't do the theorem calculation using the same asic does that make sense and so gpu you can arbitrarily change what calculations it's doing uh, and so you can get you can use it for bitcoin ethereum name your blockchain you can usually do it on a gpu but the ASICs are specific to the blockchain and the algorithm. So we've also seen people change their algorithm to make ASICs no longer applicable. And so you'll usually call it a fork. And so you'll try to fork away a lot of, or I say so a lot, some of the cryptocurrencies try to fork away from the ASICs because they don't want the computations to get, to get super simple uh, and kind of ruin the GPU mining. So they're trying to support GPU miners by, by keeping it away from the ASICs. Um, and some, some calculations just can't be solved using an ASIC or we don't know how to solve it using an ASIC yet. But at some point in time, you'll probably get an ASIC for it and it'll be able to calculate it. And so it's a lot more efficient because it's only doing one cal it's only doing the calculation required instead of doing any arbitrary calculation. So it's way more power, the power efficiency is way higher and it's way quicker usually uh, than, a, than a general purpose uh, CPU, right? Okay. So your GPUs will be pretty general purpose uh, but they can also not be as profitable when you get somebody that's got a purpose-built machine. But I mean, there's also there's other proof of proof of stake algorithms and proof of currency algorithms. So there's way more than just GPU mining in the cryptocurrency space. And so uh, it's not just limited to GPUs, right? Uh, but that is a currently a big player in the in how you uh, validate the transactions are GPUs. Okay, so when you're building a rig, you for a basic rig, you would need your you need several GPUs and a CPU, like obviously. Um, right. Typically, you'd buy some sort of super cheap processor that supports the minimum requirements. Um, so you want to save as much money as possible where you can to take to get your hardware costs down. And so usually the the GPUs are the big big items. the big ticket <laughs> items, and they can use a, a fifty, sixty, eighty dollar processor from Intel and four gigabytes of RAM and something super simple because all it's doing is feeding the GPUs and taking their output. Right. So you feed the GPUs some small input and you take some small output out of them, but the actual computation in the middle is pretty difficult. And so the processor can be pretty pretty, uh, I don't know, pretty bare bones and pretty minimal because it's feeding a small amount of information in and pulling a small amount of information out. Uh, your big calculation is the, on the GPUs. And so usually you can take like a 50 or $60 Intel Pentium or something and be just fine uh, when you're mining. So when you were mining, you had what, four graphics cards? Uh, I think I got up to seven at one point in time. Seven, and what, what were they? They were Vega 56s. 56s. So they were AMD Vega 56s. Okay. Most and of them were gigabytes. I had some sapphires too. Okay. But so what stops somebody from using a eight gigabyte GPU or 11 gigabyte GPU? Is that just too expensive? Nothing. So okay. there's a lot of people that used. So uh, the, the TIs and right. The Vega 56, it was eight gigabytes of HBM or something. Um, but so different GPUs are better at different things. So typically NVIDIA GPUs are better at Ethereum and Ethereum derivatives. 
but anything that's very memory intensive is not near as good because they don't have as high of a memory bandwidth as like the HBM memory from AMD. And so like Monero was an instance of that's what I mined for a while was Monero because it really, really, really liked that memory bandwidth and not necessarily the, the pure horsepower. So the, the AMD card won by a pretty substantial margin over the NVIDIA cards just due to the memory bandwidth and how how much you could get in and out of the memory and how how uh, quick you get it. So it was Monero is one of the coins that are, is trying to stay away from ASICs. And because of that, it, it they did some things to make it more memory intensive. And so... It's kind of a GPU mineable, GPU mineable only. Um, I'm sure somebody at some point in time is going to get a good ASIC for it. But uh, anyway, so back to your first question of what GPU to use. It, it depends on your budget and what, what coin you're mining. So a 1080 Ti is good at different things than a, a Vega 64 is good at. Uh, you well, know, they just the, released the, new graphics cards. So. Right. The the But you're, you don't see as much about it right now because the, the mining is not near as profitable yeah. as it was. But yeah, so each graphics card will kind of have its own thing that's good at, and based on you just have to do the calculations of what makes sense uh, based on your your power cost. All right, so a Vega fifty six is very power hungry, or a Vega sixty four is very power hungry, but it's pretty good at Monero. And so as long as you have cheap input power, it's not a big deal because you know it's it, you don't you're not worried as much about efficiency as you are about final output. And so there's a lot of tweaking you can do as well on the cards uh, to get them more efficient because you always want more efficient per per watt. But it's um, sometimes you just care about raw power, and so you're typically your NVIDIA GPUs are a little more power sipping than your AMD GPUs. Okay, so that's where it was when you were you sold it about a year ago, right? Two years ago? Uh, not even that. Yes, eight months ago, maybe. Eight months ago. Okay. I sold off all my cards. Yeah, maybe a little before that. Okay. Um, so where do you see it going? The the data mining. It's going to stay around for quite a while. Uh, it's going to stay around in the sense of it'll still be a big deal for a while until we finally pick a coin or pick a cryptocurrency that we end up using. So whenever we finally pick those five to ten cryptocurrencies, we'll only have big commercial miners. And so I don't see any personal mining happening at that point in time just because the big commercial miners can get such a better cost, such a better price on input power and on the hardware. And so personal mining... At home, mining is going to kind of go away in a sense of it won't be near as applicable, or we could go away from GPU mining altogether and end up at ASICs or or some other way to prove the the, the block right to to cash the block. And so we may not end on GPUs, or the GPUs may just be in the hands of big miners. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so how long? What kind of time frame are you thinking with that? Who knows? Who knows? Okay. <laughs> no one knows. So you could say ten years. It t- could tomorrow everything could burst and bubble and and, and you know it sets us back ten years, or like we could get another big pump in cryptocurrency that sets us forward ten years. And so the more money pouring into it, the faster these things happen. And so we got a lot. We took a lot of ground really quickly over the past year and a half, two years, because there was so much money getting poured into it. Uh, but right now, there's not near as much money, so it, things aren't advancing as quickly. And so somewhat it depends on the money coming in and just other economic circumstances around uh, currencies. Okay, well, that, that leads to my next question of what kind of other economics, the U.S. economy, what kind of, how does that affect these coins? Everything? Yes, and so it's the same as if you were talking about gold and silver, more or less. And so that's the easy physical calcul- easy physical way to go into it is, is representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, is to think about it in terms of gold and silver. So, if you ever have pretty high inflation, typically you want something other than the currency. And so whenever you're buying something other than the currency, it doesn't really matter what it is, right? But cryptocurrencies are somewhat liquid assets and accepted worldwide, and it's something you could do digitally, so you can do it from a smartphone. And so We've seen countries where they get a, a decent amount of inflation happen, and then people buy a lot of cryptocurrencies in those countries to try to not lose their money in the inflation, right? Because you're when an inflation happens, if you hold on to your dollars and the dollars get super inflated, you know it, you lose a lot of a lot of your, your value is going down, but you still have the you same lose a lot of, of the value, right? And so your physical uh, money, your ones are the your same. Your physical money is the same, but you lose a lot of value. Correct. And so. We've seen examples of countries trying to buy up cryptocurrencies uh, whenever they, just and here in the past few years, just countries that have 
had economic issues. We've seen an uptick in cryptocurrency purchases from those countries. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think it matters as much for that. It's more of a, mi- a matter of how much uh, extra money people have to spend. And so right now, cryptocurrency investing is kind of some big players are in it, but not ne- not really the big players in a sense of uh, worldwide big players. You're saying few big a few of them. Right, there are big players for the cryptocurrency market, but not necessarily big players as in like how, how we have stocks, right? Mutual funds, uh, pension funds, all the stuff that's in stocks right now. We haven't seen a lot of them transfer over to cryptocurrency. So a matter as a matter of, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, so we, it's not it's not quite as stable yet, right? Because those big players aren't there, and it's so backers aren't as good or as much as a regular stock or. Do you like an everyday person isn't investing in cryptocurrency with their retirement or something? Is that what you're trying to go with it? Right, and so we don't have as much money as potentially could flow into this stuff, and so it. I think it, a lot of it depends on as if the economy is good, we have some extra money to pour into it. But if we really take a hit in the economy, especially one of the big economies worldwide, like the U.S. or the Chinese economy, takes a big hit, then I would say the so we're going to slow thing. down the cryptocurrency development. Uh, but it may also trigger a lot of developments as well. People trying to get mon- to take their money and put it into some other asset. It's safe. Well, it seems like to me that it's almost a uh, globalization of the economy eventually. Right. It's ripping. So it's ripping power away from the governments. Yeah. In a sense of they don't control the money supply anymore. So globalization, yes, but not in the sense of a central body con- controlling yeah. it, right? Because that's globalization, as in. It's, it doesn't have any controlling body that governs it, more or less. And so that's where you kind of get down into, technically the, the creators of the cryptocurrency have some control over the currency because they can make changes to the currency. And so they have some control in it, but not like you would have a government controlling it. Yeah. And so from that side of things, of there are people that can make changes to the currency, but it's a question of, we have a we have a decision on whether or not the changes stick, and so you'll you'll see forking. You'll hear the term forking in uh, blockchain a lot. So if the creators end up changing the currency to where it no longer is is uh, compatible with the previous currency or the previous implementation of the currency, so they change something. It's called a fork, and so the creators have the option to fork it, but it's up to the consumers on whether or not they accept the fork. And so to accept the fork, you have to get a majority of the miners that are mining that currency to accept the new version of the currency. And so we still have some voting control over the currency, but it's not like a voting control as in we have uh, governments with a typical control of it. Does that make sense? Yep. So we still have some control over where the currency is going because ultimately we can vote by having miners. But once we get down to big, big players in the mining world and less and less personal miners, we're going to see that dwindle and the big mining players will really have the votes uh, compared to the the individuals. So there will be some centralization of voting, but hopefully we keep enough players around in the game that we still have a say in where the currency goes. But we also have a say in using it or not, right? If some currency changes something, we don't like it, we can go to another currency. Yep. And so it's easier to switch currencies in a, in a global cryptocurrency market. It's easier to switch currencies than it is for you to say, well, I don't like the U.S. dollar. I'm going to use euros now. You still physically live in the U.S., so you're going to have a hard time using euros. Yeah. So it, it would be a lot simpler to change currencies, and so we have voting power that way as well of we don't like what they did. We can change currencies. So we, we will ultimately have – the people will have more control, but there still will be some centralization of power. But we should still have a good amount of control – depending on where governments go with this. We should still have a good amount of control over the currency. Makes sense. Do you see a government just saying, okay, we accept we're changing all of our cash over to this? Uh, yes, but that that government would have to be very, very smart. I think it's going to be quite a while before we get somebody smart enough in office that understands the technology enough to do that. So from a government perspective, like we were talking about earlier, from a side of, controlling the economy it sucks but from a side of trying to trace currencies and eliminate bad people doing bad things it makes a lot of sense and so it depends on where you're going and what you're what you're trying to do so from a government perspective it depends on where they want to go with it but from a from a more libertarian perspective it makes a lot of sense 
And because the government would be losing control of their of their economy, economy, right? But they would also be doing a lot more. They would, it would make things a lot easier on them for like taxes and things like that, right? Because then they can trace all of your transactions when you have a known account number. And so, for taxes and for control of the control of uh, crime using currency, it makes a lot of sense for. Uh, control of the economy makes less sense so it depends on what the government's trying to do and their goal uh, like I say so from a more libertarian perspective it makes a lot of sense even from a more of a democratic standpoint in the current democratic scheme of 2019 uh, it still makes a lot of sense because you, you can centralize a lot of things around it you just can't control it as well from a Republican standpoint of things it doesn't make any sense in 2019 from their current stances because they like having control of the the money supply so the Democrats that want to give away everything, they don't really care where the money comes from. They just want to give it away, and they want to pay. They want people to pay more taxes. So it, it makes, from their standing, it makes a lot of sense. From a libertarian's perspective of we don't really like the government controlling it, it makes a lot of sense, and we don't like crime, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but from a Republican standpoint of we like control of the the money supply, it doesn't make any sense. Hmm. That's a very interesting take. I'm glad we didn't get into politics too much. That's a, more of a factual, not a taken as Yeah, no, that's so, just straight yeah. up of, yeah. of where they're at of the, in 2019. Yeah, of, right, of, of a lot of the views Belief that I hear. Systems. Right. Yeah. So, and that's more, I mean, that's based off the, the views I hear from current candidates and just current understanding of, of their party and their what they're voting for. So a lot of them want, like the, the Democratic Party, for instance, wants a lot of free stuff. They want more taxes on the rich. They want to take money away from people that have it and give it to people that don't have it. And so that makes a lot of sense whenever you can trace all dollars and you can literally track all dollars through the system, and so that makes a lot of sense from their perspective, because uh, they don't really care about where the money comes from, which is which is proven by their point of we just want to give things away to people and take money from the rich people. So from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense, right? And so not getting into politics, just from their current political stance, translating that into whether or not they should enjoy cryptocurrency and like it, uh, you know, it's just facts. So how long before a country you think would accept that? Uh, depends on what you mean by accept. Currently, a lot of countries it's legal, but accepting in a matter of they give up their their country's currency and go to a cryptocurrency, that'll be quite a while. Or even a person paying their taxes in cryptocurrency. Um, uh, taxes in cryptocurrency may be interesting. Um, they may end up having to accept some sort of cryptocurrency in the near future for paying your taxes because we may move to a lot more people getting paid in cryptocurrency. And so just to, to smooth out the tax payments, but there is no, yeah, I don't, it, it'll be interesting to would see how that plays out. I mean, it would make sense that a smaller country would do something like that rather than first than a larger company. Uh, at least Potentially. It really depends on the leaders and who's leading the country. Um, so usually smaller countries are more authoritarian and so they like having control. So cryptocurrency means they don't have control. And usually larger countries have more bureaucracy and more overhead of not changing anything. So that's what the slows them down. So, I don't know. Good question. We could see. We'll see. We'll know in 15 years. We'll tune back in in 15 years and we'll see. <laughs> we'll, <know. laughs> we'll, we'll be back here. Maybe. Uh, hopefully not in this room. Um, <laughs> okay. So that pretty much answers all of it. Um, Wait. Super quick question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, my fiance's an accountant. Should she learn about cryptocurrency? I think all people should have a working knowledge of cryptocurrency, just like I think all people have should, should yeah. have a working knowledge of a lot of things. Um, but that's more in the sense of, uh, there's a word for it. Um, anyway, there's a word for it, and I, I just drew a blank. But I think a lot of people should have more of a working knowledge than they do, but the working knowledge just comes with time. Uh, to me, a lot of people still don't have working knowledges of how cell phone works. And so yeah. we're, we're still coming up to speed, and you don't have to have a working knowledge to use it. Uh, like your car, you don't have to know how it works in order to use the car. You just know you have to put the key in here and turn it here or push the button with the key inside it, right? And so from a sense of if you're interested in money, I think you should have a working knowledge of how it works because it's it's going to be the future of money. Yeah. Just like the internet took over a lot of things without asking questions or asking if you the, the industry liked it or not. Um, like Uber for the taxi industry, the internet is, is kind of taking over these industries without asking the current industry if they want it or not. Uh, you just have to have it because it's taking over. And so at some point in time, we'll be in that boat of it doesn't matter how much the country kicks and screams and fights and the government's fight, it's going to take over. Uh, it's just a question of how hard they fight and how long it, that fight draws out. So 
yes, from a from a monetary standpoint, if you want to keep working in the money industry, I think it's it's you very it'd be very good to have some sort of working yeah. knowledge. I mean, if you go read four articles about it, you probably have a lot more knowledge than most people do, and it's probably good enough for now. Yeah. If you um, listen to our podcast, right. then you're gonna have plenty of knowledge. So, so you don't have to go read six <laughs> textbooks on it, right? But having like a, having three or four articles on it, you know, and and kind of understanding it to a level, uh, just a working knowledge, not necessarily a deep knowledge, would I mean. I would say anybody should have a working knowledge of it. Yeah, yeah. But okay, cool. a lot of people don't have a working knowledge of how money works, how the U.S. Anyways, uh, anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> a lot so, of people don't know anything. <laughs> right, and so. I don't know anything, so. Anyway, so. But, and that's then that's seen with the fact of people, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, especially in the U.S. and, and yeah. around the world even. Um, so there's a lot of people that don't have a working knowledge of how money works in general. And so expecting them to have a working knowledge of cryptocurrencies is not really. Asking too much almost. Is, is, is yeah. really, yeah, you're, you're not going to see it you're going to see it from the people that will be rich. I mean, anybody that's rich will end up with a working knowledge of it because that's where money's going. Or they'll hire somebody to right. Or they'll they'll hire people that's way smarter than them to, to help with it. But uh, anyway, so a good working knowledge, I, I don't think it hurt. Yep. Cool. Well, that would be, I think, and and so it sounds like in the near future that that would be a good asset to have. Yeah, it's almost like a whole new class of jobs are going to be demanded eventually. Right. Or, or an adaptation of the job yeah. of, of accountants. and Right. And we could get into a whole big discussion about that, right? Because when you have computers doing the work, it's just the same as doing as robots doing manufacturing work. It's computers doing the work of processing transactions. And the need for accountants is less important. Uh-oh. 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 But there may be other jobs crop up yeah, around there, there right? Is. And so we, we were worried about people running out of work whenever the Industrial Revolution happened. Yep. We still haven't run out of work. Uh, we're we're worried about. We're currently worried about people running out of work because robots are taking over all the jobs. I, we we didn't run out of work during the industrial revolution, so I don't think we're going to run new out of work. New technology creates new jobs, potentially, or just different jobs. Different right, and so yeah. and so, I don't think we're going to run out of work anytime soon. <coughs> um, but we're definitely not working as hard now as we used to. So at some point in time, we just keep working less and less, and 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 keep getting the same uh, or better output. Uh, Right. And so anyway, so from a sense of will we need accountants to actually trace the money? Not necessarily. Will we still will accountants be important for auditing and auditing or just keeping track of a business's money? Yes, but from a sense of the like uh, accountants and banks and trying to keep up with those transactions, we're already seeing a lot of that translate to computers anyway. And so accountants are still important for taxes and for companies managing money. And, but less important for keeping track of, of uh, actual person's transactions because that's a lot of a lot of that's computers now. Yeah. And so accountants will be important because the business will still want to know where their money's going. But the the blockchain will allow us to write software that's a lot simpler to get the all the transactions and to know the transactions are already valid. So then you're an accountant more so for telling the boss, hey, we spent X amount of money on cost of goods sold. And less less an accountant to be sure that all the pennies match. Yeah. So maybe more. So then less auditing, almost. Less way less auditing because auditing will be done by a computer. Um, but. Uh, but giving advice on financials would. Right, but understanding be. where, understanding the financials and giving good value based on those financials that will be really where the big the big ties will be is is having somebody that understands the fundamentals, so they know what's going on, but understanding them from a business point of view of. We're trying to save money and we're trying to make more money. And so what does that mean to my manager, right? What does that mean to the business as a whole? Being, doing that translation of we spent this amount of money on cost of goods sold and this amount of money on advertising and, and XYZ and over time trying to get trends and, and determine where the market's going. That will be useful. Um, the actual 1 plus 125 plus 265 equals, you know, whatever number it equals would be less so less important and making sure yeah. those, those digits add up and, and credits and debits match. Because the computer's going to do credits and debits at some point yeah. in time. There's going to be yeah. nobody doing credits and debits. Yeah. I don't understand why we're in 2019 is, and computers still do de- I, people still I do debits and credits because uh, compu- it's very easy for a computer to do simple math. Yeah. Um, anyway. Hmm. So is that your hot take? That accountants won't be as important anymore? Uh, accountants in a different sense. So I don't know if it's as important. More as an accountant vi- there will like be advisory less, for There will company. be less... A smaller number of an actual accountant job, uh, but they'll move into a, probably a different role. So you're almost more of a manager or an advisory to a manager of right. It's it's more of the understanding than the hey one plus one equals two. Yeah. Well, I can do that. So 
I can manage my way around that. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'm gonna get my degree then. But that's in the future, so I have plenty of time. Right. Time is of the essence. Keaton, you have any any closing thoughts or uh, hot takes? No, I I don't think I'm quite knowledgeable. Qual- enough in this it's not qualified enough. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it taking over pretty quick. I mean. Paying for stocks and cryptocurrency, all that kind of stuff. I think after the next, my hot take is after the next recession, it really catches on. People start to pay attention to money a little bit more whenever they're losing it. Yeah, it may be a matter if we get punched in the mouth hard enough uh, to to say we want it. Um, yeah, it depends on who's in power, politics and stuff. So to a certain extent, but it will be up to the people on when it gets actually used. Because uh, people, you know, enough people say, "Heck with the U.S. dollar, we're using this currency." Is if there's enough of those people, then it doesn't matter who's in power. Something has to change. That's true. Um, but it will determine be determined by who's in power because that's kind of where the masses typically flow to is 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 somebody in power and the news outlets and and who controls the news. So it will depend somewhat who's in power uh, in each of the different agencies that that influence the masses. But also it will be a just it will be a decision by a lot of people to finally say, okay, heck with. State-sponsored currencies. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Thanks for uh, coming by, Chance, and and educating a lot of us and talking about things that are over most of our heads. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow on Facebook or like on Facebook. Follow on Twitter uh, at Simply Technical. We're going to start posting a little bit more. Get our social media presence out there. Where you suck at it. So, um, thank you guys, and have a nice day. Thanks.